0: Welcome to the Babel Originals Podcast. Henry's Horde, by Gary Gordon The sun was beating down with an almost intolerable daytime heat. The metal detector beeped dramatically. Henry Sadler, a man of eighty-odd years, waved his equally aged contraption from side to side vigorously, making certain that he could pinpoint with as much accuracy as possible the exact location of its audible findings. He stopped for a second, and took out his old, unwashed handkerchief, then slowly and deliberately wiped his sweating brow with measured care and attention— After a few seconds, and a few more insistent utterings from his detector, the old man gently placed his machine on the dry earth, removed his rucksack, and withdrew his portable shovel. The location—an ancient embankment at the side of his local river—was a place frequented by dog-walkers and ramblers, but left untouched by commercial development. Who knew what lay beneath, he had often thought to himself? whilst walking his own dog past the same spot on numerous occasions. The shovel hit the earth with a crunch. The ground was fairly hard, after a period of sustained sunshine. He knew immediately that this was not going to be an easy dig. Nonetheless, Henry persevered. Not less than fifty minutes later, the shovel hit something solid—something that felt different than the tough, brittle dirt that the old man had been digging through, to a depth of almost four feet. He threw down his shovel, and excitedly began to claw away dirt from the area immediately above and around the object. The ends of his fingers had begun to bleed, due to the amount of sheer vigour and energy Henry was putting into his clawing. He felt no pain, just a surge of adrenaline, and extreme anticipation of what this thing was just a few seconds later, revealed it to be the lid of an ancient wooden chest, probably constructed of oak. After further use of his old shovel, and yet more clawing, scratching, and manipulation, he finally hauled the small chest to the surface. It was approximately the size of an average picnic basket, and rather heavy, although the old man, even in his eighties, was still very fit, and more than capable of dragging the chest up and onto the exposed riverbank. After he had removed what dirt and debris he could, he began to slowly force open the lid with his shovel. For some reason, time seemed to have been kind to the chest, and it appeared to be in exceptional condition for something that must have been buried many centuries ago. Henry continued twisting and pushing with his shovel— there appeared to be no locking device on the chest that he could find—just a fine gap at the base of the lid. Eventually, there was a quiet and yet unnerving whoosh of air, as the lid gave way and jerked loose. Almost simultaneously, Henry thought he felt something move along his arm and brush his shoulder. He shrugged it off as a slight breeze, or maybe it was his nerves playing tricks on him. His heart pounded— and his pulse raced, at the thought of what may be waiting for him inside. Spotting a passer-by, Henry sought assistance in carting the find back to his humble abode down the road. There was no way he could have moved the chest by himself. The kitchen in which he now sat, pondering over what was in front of him on his medium-sized oak table, belonged to that of a typically styled seventeenth-century cottage. Low-beamed ceilings, stone floor, heavy-latched doors, and the like. He mused over his findings, laid out neatly across the surface of the table. 125 gold coins, 272 silver coins, 24 bronze coins, 9 items of jewellery in gold, 18 silver spoons, 1 silver tigress, probably used as a handle for a vessel of some kind, 3 silver bowls, and a small dish. He would be contacting the local museum soon, but for now, he wanted to spend a bit of time with the hoard himself. Just him, and a nice cup of Earl Grey tea. Henry dragged his aching body up from his chair. This dig had taken its toll on his aging bones. He felt young at heart, but he knew his body wasn't feeling the same. Suddenly— Henry felt that same strange, soft breeze as before, earlier at the dig. It felt like the back of someone's fingers softly moving down the back of his shoulder. But only for a second or two. Long enough for the old man to be startled by it. Nonetheless, he continued toward the sink. It was an old basin, littered with unremovable stains from centuries of use. He placed the kettle carefully underneath the modern mixer tap, Filled it with just the right amount of water, and placed it gently on the gas stove. Returning to the table, he flicked through some of the gold coins. He tossed a couple in the air, and played his own impromptu game of heads and tails. Just a few short minutes later, the kettle whistled. Then, as Henry was making his way across the kitchen, once again he felt that same recurring sensation down the back of his arm— but this time, it was different—this time, it was more than just nerves. Turning around quickly, his body jumped and jerked with instant shock. The tremors of his old body continued, as Henry's brain attempted to comprehend what his eyes were now seeing. The life-sized image of a pale, tall, and almost transparent Roman soldier was standing before him, sword by his side and dressed in what seemed to be a complete set of armour. Mm-hmm, Henry chortled to himself nervously. Must be that sandwich I ate this morning. Refusing to accept his vision, he simply turned back around, and continued slowly toward the steaming kettle. Unfathomably, the kettle suddenly began to rise by itself, slowly from the gas hob, and hovered above Henry's bemused head, as he stared up mesmerized by its movement. Unable to comprehend the situation, he had little time to think about what happened next. The kettle tilted over, and poured a generous stream of boiling, hissing water directly onto his upturned face. Screaming out in pain, Henry spun around, just as the kettle fell to the floor with a loud clatter. The old man, momentarily blinded by the hot liquid, rubbed his eyes frantically. Surprisingly, he quickly regained his eyesight, and noticed that the two gold coins that he had been tossing were now hovering in the air between himself and the Roman apparition. Henry, still in pain from the scalding water, had now decided that the Roman spirit must have returned to protect the precious hoard. He could offer to himself no other rational explanation for his vision. Suddenly, The soldier raised one arm, extended his upturned thumb from his clenched fist, then, with lightning speed, turned his thumb downward. With this action, the two coins moved through the air swiftly, directly towards the old man's stinging eyes, wedging themselves tightly inside the bony rim surrounding each eyeball. Strangely, this incurred no damage. It was an oddly comical sight to behold— The old man clawed at the coins that he had earlier been so fascinated by. He couldn't dislodge them. He waved his arms around frantically in front of him, suddenly aware of the Roman phantom's presence moving closer to him. At this point, the soldier lifted his menacing, ghostly sword, and swung hard with purpose, decapitating Henry's tormented head, which then flew into the air— and landed, with a dull, heavy thud on the table, rolling across its length like a bowling ball, and then settling, somewhat peculiarly, in an upright position, directly in front of the coins he had earlier been admiring. Moments later, Henry regained what he felt to be a state of living consciousness. He had no memory of the events that had just occurred. All he could see was blackness— He had no sense of a body, or any other sensation, for that matter. All he felt was confusion, and an intolerable inner terror, of what was happening to him. Then, a thin, sharp, bright white light began to appear, a few inches in front of what he perceived to be his field of view. Next, a slim, dark, metallic object thrust its way into the light— and jostled with the small opening that had formed before him. There was a small whoosh of air, which whistled around the black space, as Henry suddenly found his new essence of consciousness exiting through the crevice, and out into sunlight, before moving up and across the shoulder of a man of about eighty-odd years, standing with a dirty shovel in hand, upon a riverbank, on the hot, parched earth—